At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Odds on with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Do not adjust your television sets or your audio choice of medium. Femi Abebefe, Amal Shaw, it is odds on. Amal, you're usually in your right spot. I'm filling in for Mike Palm, the big guy. He's out today, so he's having me fill in for him. So uh, you'll have him back tomorrow as the Palm Readers playbook goes over what he had in week number seven, the National Football League. Of course, because it is a Monday, we will do Wilder Right, a mall in coming up later on in this show. And Femi's Fire, a little special edition for us here on Odds On. It's a point spread Saturday edition of Odds On a Mall. Good to be here with you at the Circa Resort and Casino. Of course, we'll break down Monday Night Football, Saints and the Seahawks in the Pacific Northwest. Right now, the Saints a four-point favorite. But first, let's get to the burning questions. First, how are you doing? How was your NFL Sunday? Are we looking up? I am good. Uh, went well. Uh, ready to go, man. Let's get into this week. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one thing I realized this weekend. I have never seen anybody in the history of sports steal more money than Jared Goff. This guy is hey, so god-awful god go. putrid. It is unbelievable. <laughs> You know what? They should just take him off the field and go with whoever the hell the backup is. This guy can't play. You know, you saw DeAndre Swift's reaction on that third down and seven. If you hit Swift, he probably gets the first down. A great possibility of them in scoring. In fairness to Goff on that one, there was a miscommunication. Are he you thought, his, are you his agent? Si- he thought Swift was going to sit well, down me, on the route. That, Swift kept that, running. That's fine. Let me yeah. ask you this question. What about the other 59 minutes of the game? No, no arguments The pass me. he tried no to throw, Jalen Ramsey was open. He hit him. It was a great. It was a great on the square end. He hit him perfectly. Jalen I mean, Ramsey this guy's absolutely up. awful. By the way, Jalen Ramsey, if you're unaware, plays for the Rams. <laughs> Jared Goff was the reason why they lost this game. I, you know, the reason why all those players from the Rams were going up to Goff after the game, they were saying thank you. They were th- saying thank you. We got a chance to win the NFC. We have a chance to win the West because you're no longer here. He is awful. The the reason why the Lions have to uh, basically run two trick punts and then potentially take certain risk onside Jer- kick too Surprise, because Jared yeah. Goff is their quarterback. This this guy is so bad, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there's no arguments for me. You're not going to hear me saying that Jared Groff is a great quarterback, but I'd say he was okay yesterday to his standards. They covered 16 and a half. That line should never have been that high as we saw that yesterday. I mean, granted, though, they did steal those possessions with the fake punts and the onside kick, though, but the Lions were the right side completely. Lions were even live to win the game. You mentioned it that... Goff probably cost them the game there. I don't think I'd go that far, but the Lions, it was a great effort from what we saw from Detroit. Well, let me ask you, so how far. far would you go? You throw an interception in the red zone. You have a third down and seven. You have an opportunity. Granted, there, get... was, there was he didn't throw it. It was not a clean pocket. There was pressure in his face. Probably shouldn't have thrown the ball. Probably should have taken the sack, but he was being hit when he threw the football. He didn't just throw it to Ramsey blind. Let me tell you something. Tom Brady <laughs> stands back there and takes a shot to the ribs and doesn't care because you know why he wants to get the ball thrown accurately. This guy folds like a lawn chair in a hurricane as soon as there's a sniff of pressure around him. 
This guy is awful. They shouldn't even play him anymore. They should just say, listen, we're going to take the cap hit and cut him. Might as well put yourself in a position to get the first overall pick. Take Kayvon Thibodeau. You have him and Panay Sewell go again every day in practice like they did at Oregon and bring in somebody that can get you some pressure because that defense is not getting home against Matthew Stafford. And the other thing is you're not going to win with Jared Goff. The objective is to win the Lombardi Mm. Trophy. That's what's great about sports. There are 32 teams vying for one option, which is to win the Super Bowl. If you don't, your season's a failure. And Jared Goff, as long as he's your quarterback, you will continue to be a failure. And this will be an organization like the Cleveland Browns that will continue to not reach Super Bowls unless they make a change at quarterback. I'm glad we're judging Jared Goff on the Tom Brady scale. Uh, it's not about that. Well, let's <laughs> I'm glad you we're said doing he's that. not bad. Let me ask you yeah. a question. Out of a 30, lot of quarterbacks don't uh, look great on that scale. Out of starting quarterbacks, where do you rank him? Take, uh, out, take he, out the rookies off the table. I'll give you 27 yeah. quarterbacks. Where do you rank him? No, he's definitely bottom third. He's definitely bottom, bottom third. third. This guy's yeah, 27th. Who's worse than this guy? I mean, I guess you can't put Heineke in there. Taylor Heineke's not a starter. He knows what he is. Everybody knows what he is. Speaking of which, Taylor Heineke. How about not running? How about running through? Was he watching Jason that, Bean of Kansas that, stepping out of bounds? That, the, that, that we'll get into that as we talk about all these games here. But let's get to the, the storyline that I wanted to get to. The Eagles and the Raiders. The Raiders win that game. It was a pick em at one point, Amal, yesterday afternoon. Three points was the opening line there. Eagle money coming in all throughout the week as a lot of Philadelphia people came into town yesterday uh, over the weekend, rather. But what do you make of that line as we saw a pick? It was two and a half on Friday. It was one and a half Sunday morning, got down to a pick once Darren Waller was ruled out. It was on the inactive list with that ankle injury. What's the story behind that line move and all that money coming towards the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, despite the Raiders looking like the dead right side once the game actually got underway? Yeah, Jalen Hurts' family was in town. Obviously, they're betting the Eagles. There's no other excuse for it. Eagles suck. Jalen Hurts isn't a good quarterback. We've known that since he, he couldn't keep his job at Alabama. He doesn't have accuracy. In this league, you've got to be accurate. That's why we see guys like Joe Burrow excel because of the accuracy factor. He was tremendous. But at the end of the day, this Philadelphia team is bad. Nick Sirianni takes unnecessary risk in certain situations as a head coach. This team has a lot of deficiencies. There's a reason why they were drafting, I think, number six in the draft last year. They are not a good football team. And the reason why Eagles fans came out here, want to get away from that Philly weather, also you have an opportunity for at least one game to see a real team play, unlike most home games. And then you get stuck with Washington Giants coming into town as well. So to me, they wanted to see a quality team. And the Raiders took care of business. 7 nothing in this game. And then it's all Raiders the rest of the way. I know Jalen Hurts and company, I think they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But really, the game was way out of reach. It wasn't midway that through. close. You know, you know what told you this team was in trouble? You start off the third quarter with the gamble. And Reese does a great job of recovering the onsides yeah. kick. When you're taking those kinds of risks, you're Kansas. You're the Detroit Lions. Philadelphia just put themselves in that same boat. Yeah, it was 17-7 uh, to 7 at the time, I yeah. believe it was. Uh, obviously, the Raiders were in a really good shape there. They might have driven down the field and scored a touchdown anyways, but they put it on a platter for them to start the second half. Well, the reason why it's a bad play is with Daniel Carlson. Theoretically, if they get five yards, you can try a 57-yard field goal attempt. He's got the leg for it. I know he missed another extra point yesterday, but in terms of field goal accuracy, this guy is about as good as it gets in this league right now, not named anyone named, not named just, uh, Justin Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, but to me, it was an unnecessary risk or a gamble. This team is struggling. Look, I think teams, that's why I always loved what Sam Hinkie did in Philadelphia with the 76ers. Oh, when he was losing on purpose? Well, look, the, the objective <laughs> is to win. If you're not going to win, put yourself in a position to get a player that's going to change your franchise. The okay, great thing how'd about that the, work out? It actually worked out well. We didn't know Ben Simmons really? is a bitch. I mean, that's the bottom line. <laughs> okay. That's the reality of it. Zero conference finals appearances for the Philadelphia Sixers, if, in case you're counting at home. There. So let me ask you a question. You think because Kawhi Leonard hit the rim on a Game 7 shot, all of a sudden they're far superior than the Philadelphia 76ers? Hey, you said the goal is to win a championship in pro I, sports. I understand that, but you're sitting, there, you're sitting there acting like they're the Orlando <laughs> Tragic. 
hey, you tank, do all that tanking to losing the conference semifinals. How good, how good it's, a, it's, it's not okay. We're we're getting off track here, Amal. No, what difference does it make? You want to get us on track that nobody cares I, about? Your, your friend Sam Hankey, who's tanking and thinks that's some sort of grand genius plan, uh, will get to. What was the worst coaching decision you saw from the national? Was it that decision to go onside kick there with the Raiders and no, the Eagles? Or, no, what, I mean, what was the uh, was there a worse one? That you well, saw it, was a, it was a decision. It wasn't a coaching decision. It was a player decision. Lamar Jackson calling timeout on fourth down and 15 when they're going to punt the football. And you're already trailing. Why are you calling a timeout? Take the delay of game. Sam Cook's going to come out there and you're going to punt the football. There's no reason to do that. It's just completely unnecessary. You're at the 40-yard line or 45-yard line. Just take the delay of game. And that's why uh, Harbaugh had the reaction he had. He's like, what are, what are we doing? There's no reason mm-hmm. to. You're in a game. You're already trailing. Why are you taking a timeout in that situation? You got a no time scoring situation. Yeah, Ravens six point favorites against the Cincinnati Bengals. A big statement by the Bengals winning that one outright. Six and a half point favorites, rather. Are you buying this Bengals team as a, as a potential contender out there in the AFC? Uh, not necessarily as a contender. Look, the Ravens have been fortunate in two other games, the Colts game and the Lions game. This team could easily be at four losses instead of two. You look at the AFC right now, it's fairly convoluted, but I think Buffalo has established themselves as the best team in this league right now, uh, even though they have two losses tied with Tennessee, tied with Cincinnati, mm-hmm. the Raiders, and the Chargers at this point in time. But I think if anyone had to pick all those teams, you would look at the Buffalo Bills as being the best team. And even though Tennessee right now holds the head-to-head against them, I think the road's still got to go through Buffalo in this league, and it's going to be a real challenge for a lot of these other teams. Give Cincinnati all the credit in the world, but until this week they hadn't beaten a team over 500. I thought they did a tremendous job. Jamar Chase was unbelievable. Him and He's really good. Him and Joe Burrow, the combination that they have, to me right now, they're probably as good as anyone not named Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in terms of their ability to know what each other is doing, when to break off a route, what to do. It's, it's unbelievable how good these two are. And I only expect him to continue to excel. What a tremendous day he had yesterday, especially that long touchdown run. I think a uh, run and catch, 82 yards there. It was the difference in this game. We're nine minutes in, Amal, and we haven't talked about the Kansas City Chiefs and what's going on over there. Four-and-a-half-point favorites. They lost to the Tennessee Titans 27-3, and it didn't even feel that close. At what point do we stop giving credit to this Chiefs team that obviously heading into the season, a lot of people had power rated as the number one team in the NFL? Well, I think you have to make an adjustment. I thought this line should have never been four-and-a-half. I thought the line should have been three at best, and even then you have to question it with the way this defense played. Tennessee didn't punt until the second half. They scored every time they had the ball in the first half. And the other thing is – what it does is it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the Kansas City offense. They have to continuously be able to score, and if you don't, you feel like you failed. It's almost like a tennis match. As soon as serve is broken, meaning you have to punt once, you feel like you've lost, in essence, the set, in this case, the first half. And in this case, the game was over. I mean, you could tell fairly on early on they were going to uh, be in serious trouble. They had an opportunity to get a stop on third down and eight, but they have a defensive holding. Uh, the Titans just continue to move the ball. And give Tannehill credit. He picked up on a running play, picked up a first down. Henry wasn't overwhelming but they took advantage of the opportunities they had, and this defense for the Chiefs continues to struggle. You know what you ever see every week during a Chiefs game? You see the back of Daniel Sorensen's jersey. He's just awesome. chasing somebody yeah, he's, down. He's not good. I mean, it's funny you brought up the tennis match analogy. That's what I said yesterday on Point Spread Sunday talking to Pritch. As like It feels like if they don't score, it's like the other team broke serve. And then, all right, here we go off and running. Now they're down by two scores. So the Kansas City Chiefs have a lot of problems. They're still 12 to 1 in some places to win the Super Bowl. I, that's, I'm, I doubt we'll see 20 to 1 or 30 to 1, but they'll have to probably lose a few more games before it gets that low. Real quick here, though Colts 49ers last night in the atmospheric river, is what they were calling it in San Francisco. Colts were four or rather three and a half point underdogs. They win the game 30 to 18. Kyle Shanahan, where are you at with Shanahan here? 
I think Shanahan's fine. I don't have a problem with him. The problem is when you go with an average quarterback and you try to win games, you're just not going to be able to do it. We've known that since the Super Bowl when Jimmy Garoppolo missed Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, this guy has proven you're not going to win with him. I think he gets a lot more credit and credibility because he played in New England and Bill Belichick wanted to sign him. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, Robert Kraft who actually made the right decision to push him out. He is what he is. You're just not going to win big-time games with him. It puts too much pressure on that defense. And the fact that, remember, when they got rid of Buckner, I thought that was a big blow to that defensive front. They're still pretty good with Bosa and Warner in the middle, but that secondary is horrible. Three defensive yeah. PIs yesterday. Uh, Warden touched the ball. Well, Wentz it, was throwing it right to them. He could, they could never even catch it. It's beyond that, it's the fact that these guys aren't even looking at the football when the ball is being thrown. Like at the one play, Michael Pittman, he, I mean, basically tackled him. Right, and they can't cover Pittman, so a lot of question marks with that defense. All right, we're going to take a timeout here on Odds On. On the other side, we're talking Monday Night Football, Saints, Seahawks. We're going to break it all down as the line movements are coming in here on VCNV Sports Betting Network. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a smoke free, spit free, and hassle free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime so you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint coffee and citrus. Zen can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zen wherever you are. Zen's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zen comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zen contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 plus. Learn more and find your local retailer at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back. It is Odds On from the Circa Resort and Casino. Amal Shah, Femi Abebefe filling in for Mike Palm, who is out today. Amal, we have a Monday night football game here between the Saints and the Seahawks. Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints, four-point favorites in Seattle with a total of 41 and a half. I don't have a play on this game. You don't have a play on this game. But if you had to make a play, which side would you lean in? How do you think this game unfolds later tonight out in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I would lean towards the Seahawks here. Uh, I think they'll play a little bit better with Geno Smith getting his second start. But the Saints are coming off of bye. Sean Payton's always been tremendous coming off of bye weeks. Uh, the uh, total, I didn't, I didn't catch it. What was the 41 total? And a half. 41 and a half. Um, but look towards the under, because this is still a good Saints defense. Have some question marks about the offense. I'm not completely convinced that Sean Payton, as a play caller, believes in Jameis Winston. So I think this would be an opportunity potentially for this game to be a bit lower scoring. Yeah, 63% of the bets and the money on the New Orleans Saints in this game. So you think the Seahawks are live tonight to win? Possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's not like New Orleans is some great team. I mean, and this is a team that lost at home to the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. I mean, Seattle, if you look at that game against uh, the Steelers, if uh, Geno Smith, it was a tremendous play by T.J. Watt. But if he, if he either protects the football or if he escapes that tackle, they're going to wind up with either a chance to win because Jason Myers got a tremendous leg or they're going to wind up in a tie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I don't think this is a bad football team. I don't think they're a good football team. They're just in a 
well, very competitive division, in my opinion, the best, most competitive division in the uh, NFL. But at home, I, I think they'll have an opportunity here. They'll be competitive. Remember a couple of years ago, they got absolutely boat raced by the Saints at home. And I think they'll play a little bit better in this game. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned New Orleans not being a great team because I look at their schedule and it's been alternating wins and losses. Yeah. They're coming off the win against the Washington football team. But even that game, it wasn't as big of a margin as the score would indicate there. But they get the big win over Green Bay and they come and lose to Carolina Follow that up with a win over the Patriots, lose to the New York Giants at home. So it's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde team, which is <laughs> that's what their quarterback looks like, Jameis Winston. He's kind of the Jekyll and Hyde quarterback in the NFL here. Just would you ever trust Winston in this spot, laying points on the road in a pretty tough environment? Well, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I really wouldn't. Uh, Jameis, to me, you know, he plays well for about 75 to 80% of the games. But there's that 20 to 25%. You're always concerned he's going to throw the ball up. It might be an interception, what have you. His numbers statistically are pretty good so far this year in terms of what he's been able to do. Uh, you look at his quarterback rating and his completion percentage. But 60% completion, one away on the, in terms of the Q, uh, quarterback rating. But I just don't think the Saints team, without Michael Thomas, and even though Drew Brees had a wet noodle for an arm the last couple of years, the difference was his leadership, his ability to make sure guys are in the right spots. It's just a different dynamic. There's a different level of respect within that locker room when you have a guy who's been there, done that, and you look at the history that Brees had in this league. Winston, a former first overall pick, has just never really lived up to the building. Frankly speaking, if you go back to him at Florida State, Ever since his freshman year. Yeah, sophomore he, year was bad. Yeah, he regressed. I mean, you know, he had, he had turnover issues in that game against Oregon in, the, in his college football playoff the first uh, year of the existence of that. But I, I just don't want to lay the points on the road with the Saints team here. I'd be more likely to take uh, Seattle here. The total right now of 41 and a half. The last four Seahawks games, <clears throat> excuse me, last four Seahawks games have gone under that total. Any interest there going under? It's such a low number. I mean, that's like about a touchdown lower than the average scoring game of the NFL we'll see in around 47, 48 and a half being the average total. Yeah, it is. You know, the one thing, though, that concerns me when I look at this total, and, and like I said, I don't play on this game, and I, I've really gotten away from unders in the NFL. But you look at these last four games that the Seahawks have played. I mean, they're giving up points, 23, 26, 21, and 30. Uh, their defense has, has more question marks than I initially thought, but – you know, I, I still think they played some better teams offensively. I think Minnesota's a threat offensively with Cook and uh, Thielen and Diggs. Uh, Steelers, remember, they scored uh, those three additional points in overtime. Give that uh, Seattle defense credit. They played fairly well against Ben Roethlisberger and company. But I, I just don't think Seattle's a team I could back in too many spots this year. Could I interest you in the derivative market? Seahawks plus three first half. No. I, I, in the NFL, I think those – I'm not a fan of those bets. So different than college. Um, because in college, you have such a discrepancy in talent. But in the NFL, it, you know, there are so many times a team might be trailing at halftime and then they lose in the second half unless you're Sean McVay, who's 42-0 and and leading at halftime. But to me, I think it's a scenario where the, the three is interesting, but I, I, may, I would rather have a game play out for 60 minutes in most cases than worrying about potentially, you know, a team. Because at the end of the game, you're trying to win, right? So yeah. you're trying to get in that situation. At the end of the first half, you might be down four, but you have the ball at your own 10-yard line, no timeouts in 30 seconds. You're not trying to move the ball. Take a yeah, exactly. There. Yeah, no, it's, but primetime home underdog in the first half. They, they usually come out of the locker room pretty fired up. We'll see how that one unfolds. No play for me in that one just yet, but that first half line is kind of intriguing there. But it's Monday here on Odds On, and folks, if you're unaware and uninitiated, I'd like to play a little bit of Wild or Right. 
on a Monday. This is Amal's wheelhouse here. College football. It was a good college football weekend for you on Saturday. I even texted you about that Army and uh, Wake Forest total there, saying that you should have been paid double for how many points were scored. Both teams go over the total themselves as there was just an insane video game amount of points that were put up on the board there. But let's get to odds on, or rather, wild or right here on odds on. The first game I want to talk to you about, Georgia in the largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville taking on the Florida Gators. The Bulldogs are a 14-point favorite with a total of 51. Is that line wild or right? Yeah, I've been thinking about this game. I saw this line earlier yesterday, and I, I feel like it's correct because if you look at Georgia, what were they, 17, 18-point home favorites against Arkansas? This mm-hmm. game is in a neutral site, 75 miles from the Gainesville campus up in Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, huge Gator contingents there, but obviously uh, – Georgia Bulldogs will have that. Uh, they'll have a full house there as well, uh, representing because this is a great opportunity for them. Um, I, I think this number is correct. I, I would say this is right. No, it's interesting that because I know a lot of people will say that hey, Alabama was fourteen point favorites, but that game, of course, was in Gainesville. This is more of a neutral site game. I'm even seeing some places in the market fourteen and a half in favor of Georgia. So the market clearly likes the Bulldogs. And I love the Bulldogs. You know, that's that defense is. It's all-time good, but they're going to get their first test, though, this week against Florida's offense. I would agree with you there. You know, I, you can point to Arkansas and say K.J. Jefferson and company, but they've lost three in a row. They're in the bottom of the SEC West right now when you look at the standings. The one thing that I would say is the reason why you're not going to see a higher number than you would Bama is, number one, Bama's such a public team. Look how dominant they've been for the last decade plus. But on top of that, the problem is the Georgia offense. I mean, I don't know if everyone's completely convinced. I know Georgia people think they're already, they've already won the national title, uh, but they, they're completely convinced that this team is going to be able to move the ball. I have some question marks if they're in a situation where it's tight. Look, against Clemson, they put up 10 points. Offensively, they put up three points. That was on a pick yeah, six. Pick six yeah. I mean, this is a Pittsburgh team that took care of business comfortably against that defense. Uh, we've seen some other teams. NC State was able to move the ball. I don't know if I would look at Georgia's offense as a top 25 offense. And so for me, I, I can see why this number is not at 17 or 18. If they had an office that was comparable to Alabama, yeah. this line would be over 21. Yeah, no, especially compared with that defense that yeah. they have that's able to get stops there. In the Big Ten, this is the matchup everyone's been waiting for. Michigan, Michigan State, Wolverines, four-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 52. Now, the Sparty's coming off of a bye in this game. They're, they're well-rested. Michigan, we saw them take care of business against Northwestern. Is this wild or right? Michigan, four and a half against Michigan State. I, I think this is right. I thought the four was the correct. I think it opened at three and a half or four. I thought that was the correct number. Look, the reality is both of these teams have not really been challenged. Who have they faced that you sit and say, wow, I'm really impressed? I mean, Michigan State has gotten into the top eight based on nine based on playing nobody. They, they have absolutely played nobody. There are 25 teams that play Michigan State's schedule, and they're sitting there with the same record the Spartans are. Michigan, I think they've looked good defensively, but the question is, can McNamara deliver when they need to throw the ball? I'm not completely convinced he can. I think it'll be a real challenge. Uh, this game, to me, is going to be a little bit lower scoring. I think Spartans' offense is going to struggle against this Wolverines' defense. I think the Wolverines' defense is for real. But now they're going to face off against the running game in Kenneth Walker that's been tremendously effective this year. It's the Heisman moment for Kenneth Walker. It really is. You're absolutely right. He's got an opportunity to put himself in there right smack dab in, this, in the middle of this race. I get this... Uh, Bryce Young is the front runner right now, and Matt Corral right there as well. I feel like soft favorites. Honestly. That's I agree with you absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anybody. To me, this year it's like almost like oh, we got to hand out the award. It's like the Eric Crouch year, right? Like we're giving out a trophy to what? Eric Crouch won the Heisman. You're like, give it back. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, a guy that needs to be talked about is Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh. He's been unbelievable what he's been able to do for his football team. I think he's got 23 inter- uh, touchdowns, just one INT this year. He has been absolutely lights out. 
The problem is in the ACC, he's not going to get the opportunity to play as many games that get him the recognition in the Clemson game he delivered. Uh, but you look at Bryce Young, he's going to put up stats against some weak opponents still yet to come. Yeah, but Caleb Williams could be into the Heisman conversation. Based yeah. on the way people are talking about him, I mean, I agree with you that no, he shouldn't be. But the way that people talked about him in that Kansas game, the heads-up play that he made there, people love this kid. Well, listen, for one play, I'm not going to give you a Heisman trophy. And also the reality is <laughs> Heisman if you're a, against Kansas. No, if you're a Heisman, if you're, it's exactly right. You said it. If you're a Heisman trophy winner, you're not trailing at halftime in Lawrence unless you're playing at the fog. Wilder right, Caleb Williams, Heisman. We both think it's wild. We discuss more on the other side. It's odds on a VCB Sports Betting Network. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money, and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access. VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It is odds on rolling along here on this fabulous Monday in the NFL season and got an NFL game coming up tonight. We shared our thoughts on that and we'll share them again as well as we wrap up the show in about a half hour. But Amal, Wilder Wright, we continue that one. But first, I want to talk to you about a firing. We had a head coach at a Power 5 school fired just 30 minutes ago, Matt Wells at Texas Tech, according to Yahoo's Pete Thamel, has been relieved of his duties. The Red Raiders, 20-point underdogs against Oklahoma this Saturday. What do you make? Do you think that's the right decision to let Wells go? It's Texas Tech hasn't been able to find their footing since Mike Leach left a decade ago. Well, I can tell you two things. Being in the state of Texas, I lived there for a long time, considered my home. First thing you have to remember in Texas is that you're not even a relevant program. Okay, no, nobody cares about Texas Tech. You're so far down the list, it's not even funny. And to make this move in the middle of the season surprises me because this is a team you're facing off against Oklahoma. Uh, I, I think they're in serious trouble here. You look at this team, they have had 11 consecutive losing seasons in the Big 12, and this year will mark number 12. I just don't get this move. Um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury gets fired here, winds up with a better job as 7-0 right now in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. It's not an easy place. If you're not familiar with Texas Tech, lo uh, located up in Lubbock, just uh, a little bit away from Amarillo, it's hard to get players to come up to the panhandle of Texas. I mean, you're competing with UT, of course, A&M. Those are the two big programs. Even SMU's getting guys in the Dallas area, TCU in Fort Worth. Houston's Baylor's playing guys. Yeah, Baylor as well. So I, I just don't understand why you would make this move, considering unless you've got somebody you're looking to bring in. And this is not the year to be looking for a head coach you got USC, LSU, potentially Miami. We'll see if Manny Diaz staves off getting terminated. Big but win I, for him on Saturday. It was, but I don't think it's going to be enough to save his job because if you're Miami, you expect to win championships, not toil in anonymity like they are doing right now. Look, yeah. the U should not be playing a 7.30 start in Miami Gardens. You know, it's just, to me, it's, it's a bad start time for them. They should be a daytime program, and they're playing this late. It's just because Manny Diaz is not going to succeed there. They're going to be a middle-of-the-road team. And Texas Tech making this move, I don't get it because they're sitting at 5-3. I know they had a huge collapse against Kansas State. So you already knew this was kind of in the works, depending on how the season played out. But I just don't understand this decision. Yeah, no, he is uh, being relieved of his duties, has been fired. We'll see what direction that they go once we get into the offseason. But 
another coach who was relieved of their duties over at Washington State for a whole different reason. The Cougars are 15-point underdogs against Arizona State. As we continue, wild or right, Amal, is this line wild or right? Total of 52, but Washington State getting more than two touchdowns down there in Tempe. So we usually use a one-point differential on any line over seven, and I think this is wild. I think this line should be about uh, 12 and a half or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think Arizona State's a solid team, but they've had some losses that I thought they should have potentially pulled out. A uh, game at BYU we saw in Pro Bowl, give the Cougars credit in that one. And then the game in Utah, you're up 21-7 at Rice Cycles. You blow that game, give up 28 in the fourth, excuse me, second half to Cameron Rising and company. Against Washington State, this is a team that has been very solid and been very competitive. Now they come down to Tempe. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play, though, this week without Nick Rolovich for a second week. The first week, you get a lot of that momentum and that energy. Let's see if it translates now in week number two. ASU coming off of a bye this weekend. They're still in that Pac-12 South hunt with Utah. Arizona, uh, excuse me, UCLA taking a big loss at home against the Ducks. Uh, I think they've got a great chance here. And speaking of the Pac-12, how about Oregon now? They put themselves firmly in a position to have a showdown oh, yeah. in the Civil War against Oregon State. That game will be in Eugene. Probably determine the Pac-12 North winner. And it's another chance for them to impress the committee as they continue to win. Oregon State now being a respected team here in the 2021 college football season. Let's go back to the Big Ten. Iowa and Wisconsin. And when you see the total in this game, you can't help but laugh at this low number. Wisconsin is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Madison against Iowa. Total of 37. Amal, is this line or even the total wild or right? I think the line is correct. I would have probably said three, but three and a half is okay. This Iowa offense really struggles. This Wisconsin run defense is elite. You know, we talk about Georgia. This run defense is every bit as good as Georgia's in terms of the against the running game. And that's what you got to stop. You got to stop Goodson in terms of running the football. You're not worried about Petrus beating you through the air here. Now, remember, Iowa coming off that loss two weeks ago to uh, Purdue. They did have a bye this past weekend. They have an opportunity in, uh, to go into Camp Randall. I still think Wisconsin's going to be a tough out here. This is a team that seems to get better as the season progresses. And uh, I, I think they're going to win this game at home, but you got to take them on a money line if you're going to touch this game. I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's, you can't lay three and a hook with a total that low. It but, and, well, it's just the fact that you're never sure if uh, Graham Mertz is going to be able to score. Look at the red zone failures that this team has had against Penn State and in other games. I think if they had won that Penn State game, their season would have played out completely different. Uh, differently in, in terms of instead of being four and three, they might be five and two or six and one. But uh, this should be an interesting matchup. I mean, if you're the Hawkeyes, you had a really, really bad game. And, and to me, if I'm sitting there looking at this Iowa team, how can you back them with the way this team has played offensively, not just in the Purdue game, but throughout the course of the season? If Sean Clifford doesn't go down, they probably don't lose to Penn State. I mean, they probably don't beat Penn State, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, uh, let's go back to the Big 12. Baylor and Texas. This one feels kind of short to me. Baylor laying two and a half at home against the Longhorns. Total of 62 Wilder right between the Longhorns and Bears. I would agree with you. I think this line is wild. I thought this line should have been four. I thought that loss against Oklahoma State was catastrophic for Texas. I After they blew the game against Oklahoma, I had a hard time backing uh, Texas at home because I didn't know how they would react emotionally. We saw them collapse in the fourth quarter. Baylor's played extremely well. Femi, I don't know if there's a team in college football that's gone further under the radar being 6-1 and one than the Baylor Bears. This team has been outstanding. They beat Iowa State at home. They beat BYU at home. They continue to play extremely well. Two and a half is a great number here, in my opinion. I would take Baylor laying this number. I Look, there's going to be some points scored in this game, but I think at the end of the day, Baylor's a little bit better football team than Texas right now, and I think they win this game. Yeah, I had to make note of that one. I'm probably going to bet that actually as we get off of the air. This one, Baylor minus two and a half doesn't really make any sense to me. You know, I want to add one more thing. Look, when Oklahoma mm-hmm. comes in, it's always a big game, especially when they come into McLean Stadium because it's OU and they're always a top 10 team. But make no mistake about it, in the state of Texas, 
beating Texas is the most important thing. That's, that's the thing. And for Baylor to beat the flagship university in that state would mean it would be nothing better. And I think they got a great opportunity to do it. All right, uh, let's go to Clemson, Amal. I mean, I, I foolishly took the points after our show, Point Spread Saturday, which you can catch five to seven Pacific time here on Visa and the Sports Betting the ne- Sports Betting Network. But Clemson is a ten point favorite against Florida State. What happened to these two programs? Total of 46 and a half. Is it wild or right to, for Clemson to be laying double digits against an ACC opponent? This is wild. This line should be 13 or 14. They're, you're, you're ready to lay it with Clemson. Let's take a look at Florida State real quickly, okay? <laughs> okay? First of all, you asked what went wrong with the program. Jimbo got lazy and he stopped recruiting offensive linemen. That's yeah, the bottom line. They had true. no offensive line. There's a reason why Jimbo left. If you follow Florida State, the program was in shambles. He knew it. That's why he got the hell out of there. You're not, in my opinion, you're not leaving Florida State for Texas A&M. All due respect, to everyone in College Station, but you're not making that move. We're gonna get those Aggie people tweeting at us. Oh, trust me, the <laughs> Aggie, Aggies think national wanna... championships are birthrights. <laughs> the, the, I would tell you right now, they they think that. You know, they're just happy they're having a better year than Texas. But the bottom line is, when you look at Florida State, they're not that good of a team. Jordan Travis is okay. He's been inconsistent. They really can't get that quarterback situation figured out there. Uh, we've seen Mackenzie Milton in there, but he's not the same player he was after the injury. Here's the problem with Florida State. Defensively, they're not a good football team. They, they have competed in games. Their offense has been good. The one thing that has gone overlooked with Clemson so far this year, they had coming into the game Saturday the number two scoring defense in college football behind Georgia. Georgia's having the best defensive season of any team I've seen since Alabama in 2011. This offense is fine. They had three drops that were critical in this game, including Will Shipley on a pass that DJ threw, should have been caught. I still think Shipley has a big game running the football. I like Clemson in this game. I know they have not scored more than 19 points against any Division I foe in regulation so far Imagine this year. That. But but here's the thing. You're playing. This is the worst defense they're going to face off against. Yeah. Pittsburgh still has an elite defense. Pittsburgh is the second highest scoring team Who's in college football. Who's playing quarterback for Clemson? Are they going back to DJ? They will. They, they will definitely do that. Look, he'll be fine. they got to catch the football. I, I'm telling you right now, this is a game where Clemson comes in. They are going to take care of business against Florida State. And at the end, even though Clemson's de- dominated the last decade in the ACC, Florida State and Miami is still the two programs you want to beat when you play in this league because of how long they've been good. And I, I think Clemson wins this game in Death Valley, and they win this one comfortably. Top 25 matchup in the SEC. Auburn's taking on Ole Miss. Tigers, two-point favorites, total of 66. Feels low for an Ole Miss game. Wilder, right. You know what, though? The, the uh, Auburn defense is pretty good. That's going to be a challenge for Matt Corral and company. We saw LSU do a good job in the first half against Ole Miss, and then we saw Ole Miss and company, rather second quarter, start to flip the switch. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I was looking at this game, and I actually think everyone's going to talk about Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Georgia, Florida. I actually think this might be the best game of the day on Saturday. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Great quarterback matchup here. Shouldn't say great, but good matchup. Uh, Matt Corral going up against Bo Nix. If Matt Corral is going to have a chance to win the Heisman, Femi, he's got to win this game on the road. Or at least he's got to have a monster game. And if the defense fails, that's one thing. But he's got to play extremely well. Uh, I don't think he played great or up to his level against LSU. He's going to have an opportunity now in this game. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, in terms of the total, I, I think it's probably fairly close. We saw 76 last week, way out of yeah. whack. So for me, I'm not going to get involved in this game. And I really can't tell you who's going to win this game. I think this is going to be a great game to in-game bet on because if somebody's getting more than a touchdown at some point, you take that side. You might be able to get money line plus money on both sides. Absolutely. If, if you Absolutely. really want to play it there, looking at it from a live betting perspective there. But we continue on here on Odds On. We'll also take a look at some of the futures markets in the NFL and final thoughts on Seahawks Saints coming up here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. Bet Rivers has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same game parlays in all pro football matchups. They're bringing back their reduced the juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million beat the spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It is the final segment of Odds On. Femi Abebefe filling in for Mike Palm as well. Here with my guy, Amal Shah. Our point spread Saturday team transitioning to the weekdays here. Now, not, not quite, but it's fun to be here joining you here at Circle Resort and Casino as we've been kind of breaking down, reacting to what we saw in the college football and NFL weekend that was. Now's the time usually when we play a mall in, a mall out. No plays for you, at least as of right now. But is there anything that could find its way onto your betting card this evening? No, because I'm not getting involved in the NBA and NHL thus far. Uh, you know, NBA generally looks to see if there's a second half opportunity, but I don't I don't play a lot of NBA games. It's usually very situationally. Um, had a pretty good week in college. Went five and two. NFL one and one yesterday, but also later on a play that didn't have took the Titans. I, I couldn't believe that line was at four and a half. Thought it should have been three all day, but uh, we'll see. Looking forward to this weekend in college football. Should be a huge weekend. Yeah, almost left off a game in Wild and Right. Penn State, Ohio State, seventeen and a half. Your Buckeyes, them all. You know, it lost a little bit of luster for Penn State's nine overtime game against Illinois there. That was such a disaster. Total of 59 and a half at the horseshoe. Yeah, I think them boys are in trouble, as Dabo likes to say. <laughs> uh, Penn State can't score. That's the problem. You have th- overtimes three through seven. You don't even get a two-point conversion against Illinois. Come on. From three yards out, you got to be able to convert that at a home game. Should have never been an overtime against the Illini to begin with. But, by the way, if anybody who had the under in that game ever complains out on a bet on Honest, a tough beat, honestly, no, no, no. Listen, they should never bet again. That was the luckiest win of all time. I mean, yeah. you have this many overtimes; these guys can't score. I mean, you should never even been in that position. But uh, give Illinois credit; they win this game. I, I think this number appears a little bit wild to me. I think it should have been a little bit lower. I still think Penn State's got a very good defense. Ohio State will get tested offensively going up against this defense. But the way right now, and I know people are saying, well, they played Indiana Rutgers. And uh, Maryland, they say, well, no, it's, it's you look at the ball placement right now with C.J. Stroud. He's playing as well as any quarterback in college football. The offense is just absolutely flourishing. And Travion Henderson, if he's not the national freshman of the year, I mean, unless it's Keely Ringo, I don't know who it's going to be. It, to me, it's got to be uh, Travion Henderson. He has been unbelievable. 14 touchdowns already. Should end up barring injury, breaking Maurice Claret's freshman record of 18. I think the Buckeyes roll in this game, but I don't want to lay 17 and a half because if you look at this is the I think the seventh consecutive or sixth consecutive matchup where both teams are ranked. Penn State generally plays the Buckeyes tough. They just seem to be one of those matchups that Ohio State can't shake. But I think this offense right now, in my opinion, arguably the best offense I've ever seen Ohio State have in their history. That's saying a lot. It really is. And, and they are just absolutely every position. They're extremely talented. And I don't know if Penn State's offense is going to be able to keep pace. This is going to be a big matchup. I can't wait to see Jahan Dotson matched up against Denzel Burke, the freshman. Should be a lot of fun to see. I think this is the game where Ohio State reintroduces itself to the country. I think Ohio State wins big. I, I, just, I, I get what you're saying about Penn State. Offensively, they're so anemic that I don't think that they can keep up with this Ohio State team. I think at the end of the day, we're going to say, wow, C.J. Stroud looks a lot different than when he looked against Oregon. 
Well, you know, you know, to me, they go back to the Oregon game. Ohio State put up 624 yards. The problem was the defense. It's it, really, to me, it's not the offense. That's it, fair. It's the defense. The bottom line is, can this Ohio State team defensively play at an elite level? That's the big question mark. If they hold Penn State under 21 points, they're going to cover the game because you're not going to hold Penn State, Ohio State's offense under 35. You know, Dusty Dvorak made a great point on the game Saturday night. He said, look, as great as Georgia's defense is, he goes, are they holding Alabama or Georgia, excuse me, Ohio State under 35? I don't think they probably are as good as that defense is. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But we'll get a real idea how good Ohio State is. Um, I, I see some people have them ranked number two in some kind of their own polls, what have mm-hmm. you. This team is really flourishing, but this is going to be an intriguing matchup because Penn State always is competitive against the Buckeyes. All right, we turn the page over to the National Football League. We don't have any Amal in today. No plays as of yet, but he's looking at the phone. He's searching. I know he's always out there on the lurk for value. How about a little bit of Femi's fire? And I want to take a look at the Super Bowl odds market because the dust has somewhat settled in the NFL for week number seven. And one that really stood out to me, Amal, and I want to get your take on it, the Minnesota Vikings at DraftKings right now, 100-1. to Now, I'm not a big Kirk Cousins fan. I don't think he's really the guy to lead you to a Super Bowl. But when I look at the NFC wildcard odds, right now the Minnesota Vikings are the seventh team in the NFC playoff hunt. If they can at least get into the playoffs, the schedule gets a little bit tougher now, but they're playing some pretty good football. The defense seems to have figured things out. Offensively, Thielen, Jefferson, they're a really good team. Cousins is playing really well this season, uh, especially for his standards. 100-1 to seems pretty long there for a Vikings team that is pretty formidable. You bring up a great point that's a great find by you. And, and the reason why is, look, I don't believe Minnesota is going to get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, no. even make it to the NFC Championship. But this, to me, is a bet strictly based on just kind of hedging. Yep. Right? Like, Minnesota gets to the playoffs. If you look in the NFC right now, there are nine teams that are viable for the postseason, just based on record. Uh, we have an idea who the five teams are going to be. you got the Cowboys winning the East. You have the Packers winning the North. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the South. And then either the Cardinals or the Rams winning the West and then being a wild card. Yep. Now, you still have two other teams getting into the postseason. You're looking at San Francisco. You're looking at New Orleans and potentially Atlanta. And then you're looking at the Minnesota Vikings. Those are all just based on record. I don't think the Bears have a chance. I don't think anybody from the East has a chance. Yeah, Carolina, no, they're no, trading Carolina, in the way opposite Exactly. De- different de- and I don't think Seattle with the injury to Russell Wilson is a viable option. And when you look at those other teams I mentioned, the Saints, the Falcons, the Vikings, and the um, 49ers, I think right now Minnesota's the best of that bunch. Mm-hmm. And regardless of where they stand in the current standings, I think there are four teams vying for two spots. And I like Minnesota's chances there. I think it's a really good find. Now, when you look at it, they get in the postseason at 100-1. to You take that bet. You get in the playoff game, they're going to play potentially. They're going to be, let's say they're a seven seed for simple math. Yep. They're going to end up facing off against Tampa or Green Bay, who's a two seed or a one seed. Could be it's Dallas, a, maybe. Could be, I don't think Dallas winds up with a two seed, but. One seed, I got you. <laughs> Are you a Cowboys fan? Yeah. I told you this, Amal. You should know that. First of all, let me tell you something. I Back covered, MVP. I, I covered the Cowboys for 10 years. My favorite team was whoever was playing the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Here we I, go. No, no, no. But here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. You guys are like Michigan. You guys are the Michigan Wolverines of the NFL. Except, we actually, except, except that they actually have some Lombardi trophies. I, I get what you're about to say about Michigan. Michigan Michigan's got national championships. Hey, yeah, uh, Britain, from, can from, you bring up the 1900s? <laughs> Pre-World War I specifically. Fielding Yost was amazing. That's why That's why they, he's, there's an arena there. It's you have Yostery. I mean, come on, give me a break. Here's my thing with the Dallas Cowboys, and I actually bet them 18 to 1 and 9 to 1 to win the NFC, is they play in a horrible division. They play, they're going to stack wins on wins on wins. Of all the teams, I think they have a pretty good shot to be the number one seed. Maybe Tampa, because they have a soft schedule as well. But back to the Super Bowl odds Vikings, 100 to 1. Another one that I kind of liked, you dismissed them, the Seattle Seahawks. Around town here, now, right now at DraftKings, they're 100 to 1. Around town, you can find the Seahawks 
200 to 1 Forget to win that. the Listen, Super Bowl. Forget that. Tell me what the odds are on the Seahawks to make the playoffs. Make that bet. That's a way better bet than the Seahawks getting to the Super Bowl. I understand I, I, your no. fandom is kicking in. You cover no, the Seahawks. I, it's, no, I'm not. Trust me. I, I, nobody I know, would ever suggest I know, the Seahawks, I know, including I know Russell Wilson. I know a lot of Seahawks fans. I am not a fan of Seahawks fans. No, no trust me. I, I grew up in that area. Here's my argument. Right now, if you think that they can win tonight against the New Orleans Saints, because you even said it, that they could be kind of live tonight. Now, you obviously it would lean Seattle. You wouldn't make a bet hold, on hold it. Hold on. One but second. if me, they do win, no, let me finish. Let me finish. If they do win the game, they play Jacksonville next week. They'll be three and a half, four-point favorites against the Jaguars. They have a bye, and then the following week, they're at the Green Bay Packers. But guess who's coming back? Russell Wilson is coming back from that finger injury. 200 to 1 if this team can sneak into it. One game, and they're right there with the Bears and Panthers, just one game back behind the Vikings. I don't think it's the craziest thing ever, but I do like your to make the playoffs bet, though. I do like that one as well. Listen, Oklahoma beating Texas Tech this weekend doesn't make them a national title contender. That's basically what it is tonight. You're playing the Saints. You beat Texas Tech, that doesn't mean you're a national title contender. Just because Oregon won a game against uh, Garbers, who was in there, not Chase Garbers, his brother uh, UCLA comes Ethan. in. Uh, <laughs> he comes in and plays well. Look, the bottom line is, Seattle, they're not that good defensively. I just was running over their scores. They can't stop anybody. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there with the, def- the defensive metrics. Obviously, they, they have their struggles, one could say, on defense. But anytime you have Russell Wilson, I'm looking at their odds right now at DraftKings to make the playoffs. And the Seahawks, the yes right now is, I'm pulling it up here, plus 250 to make the playoffs. Would you, would you nibble on that, plus 250? I more so like the 200 to 1 just because throw a little bit of money down there. If they get into the playoffs, sneak in as a 7 seed, you can just hedge out of there and fade them as they're the 7 seed taking on a, a 2 seed, probably as like a touchdown underdog. No, I would take them if you're going to take take them at plus two fifty to you make like the, the plus playoffs. 250? Because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Okay, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, right now, yeah, you're right that it's uh, it's tricky for them to try to make the playoffs. But Russell Wilson's coming back. The the, the whispers out of the Pacific Northwest are that the finger is healing rather quickly, and there's a good chance we see him in that game after the bye against the Green Bay Packers. Okay, do you think they're going to win that game even if Russell Wilson's back? No, I don't think they'll win that game. Okay, then they face Arizona at home. They can easily win that game. Why not? I don't know because I've seen Seattle's defense. Why not? It's, I mean, it's. Well, actually, no, let me correct home. myself. Nobody's <laughs> seen Seattle's defense. <laughs> They're social distancing them all. That's yeah, what we're supposed yeah, to be doing around exactly. exactly. <laughs> that does it for odds on. Always a pleasure to be with you here, Amal. Thanks for always, filling in. Oh, always good. We get it riled up here. Saints, Seahawks coming up tonight. Seahawks, four point underdogs. That does it here for us. Up next, betting across America here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. 